The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Let's take our Bible and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 39. While you're turning, I need to... Uh, Make a little correction there. So it's not this Wednesday night. We start back with our potluck dinner. It's the 30th. Is that correct? All right. And I only had 27 people tell me that when I sat down. So the, those deacons thought that I made a mistake. Actually, you, you spoiled the plan. I was hoping everybody would show up here with a meal on Wednesday and that way you'd actually come to church. But you still need to come this Wednesday. Next Wednesday, all right, the 30th, we have start back with our dinners. And now if you're visiting with us today or you're unfamiliar with the Scripture, there's a, a Bible right in the pew back in front of you. If you'll open that up, uh, there's two ways to get to it. If you let it fold uh, open to the middle of the book, uh, you'll probably find this um, the Psalms. All right, It begins with a P, P-S-A-L-M. All right, Psalm 139. And, uh, or you can just open up to the table of contents and uh, see where to find it in your Bible. Psalm 139. When you found your place, let's, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your kindness and mercy and grace. We pray that, uh, pray that you would calm our hearts and that you would speak to us from your, from your word that is true and helpful and timely and always points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You today that we are able to meet earlier for Bible study and fellowship and grow together and pray. Thank You for a service like this that we're able to meet and sing together and pray and give and to come around Your Word to hear Your Word proclaimed as Christians have been doing for thousands of years. And so, Lord, I pray for all of our hearts today that they would be tender and humble. And Lord, that we would receive from Your Scripture how to live our lives as You would live Your life if You were us. Please, Lord, conform us to the image of Jesus this day. For it is in Your name we do pray. Amen. Simple lesson from the Scripture today. And what we're going to do is, uh, instead of normally we would read the entire passage, all 24 verses, but rather lengthy passage of Scripture. And I, I do want to try and deal with the entire psalm. And so what I'm going to do is just break this apart into four simple segments and uh, give you the point, and we'll read through it together, and I'll see if I can highlight some things. So, verse 1 through 6 today, uh, as you can see in your bulletin, we're just kind of following along with the psalmist as we learn how to pray in our own Christian life, and we're just doing that a little bit here in August. So, looked at uh, Hannah's prayer, and last week we looked at confession, and today we want to look as the uh, psalmist lays out here a wonderful way and some things to keep in mind as we pray. And so, from verse number 1 to verse number 6, if you're keeping notes, I just simply put here that uh, you know me. That is that God knows us, right? You know me inside and out, up and down, good and bad. Uh, all the things that I've done that I want everybody to know and all of the skeletons in my closet that I don't want anybody in the world to know about, God knows you. And so as you just let that thought, that, that thought dominate your mind, God knows me. Let's read these six verses and you follow along as I'll read for us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. 
You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are uh, intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it already. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. And so, first of all, from these first six verses, you can see, although I've been to seminary, even if you have not been to seminary today, even if you're here and you say, I am not the greatest theologian in the world, do you not see where I got the title for those first six verses? Look back if you would, you'll see almost seven times some sort of reference here to the knowledge, the intellect, the power of thinking that God has, right? He says, you search me and you know me. Verse number two, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you have an understanding, you scrutinize me. And verse number uh, four, you know every thought before I ever even think it. And then in verse number six, he caps it off by saying, this kind of God-oriented knowledge, this kind of way that God knows all things. It's too high for me. It's way beyond me. I just want to pause for a moment this morning. And I want you to pause. I want you to think about the fact that God knows everything that there is to know about you. He knows what's going on in your heart right now. That's a bit scary, isn't it? It's okay for that to be a bit nerve-wracking, but it should also drive all of us into humility and into worship and into adoration and into holy living that we should give our lives over to Him because He knows everything that is going on in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Can I say to everybody that's in this room today where your mind is thinking about lunch or something else or you're thinking about somebody else in this room or you're mad at somebody or you're gossiping already in your mind about somebody or you have you have uh, ill and bad thoughts in your mind. The God of all eternity, He knows what is going on in your mind right now. Did you know that? Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're here today and you're filled with anxiety and worry and stress and hurt and pain and suffering, I want you to know, though you may feel ostracized and put to the side and that nobody really genuinely cares, I want you to know that the God of all eternity is alive and well and He is right there with you and He knows what you're going through right now. And when we pray... We should always pray, keeping in the back of our mind, that God knows what's going on inside of us. Uh, the uh, scholars would break this apart and they would say the big word, you can impress your friends at the water cooler tomorrow, the big word we would say here is omniscience, that God has this omni-knowledge, that God knows all things at all times in all ways. And yet, isn't it true that this is telling us about the very character and the nature and the power and the glory of a great God? But what is God's glory and what is God's greatness tied intimately to you? You see, it is not merely describing for us some sort of deity, some sort of deity that is in a far distant galaxy. No, it is saying that this God who knows everything is right here and well and alive in your life. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, He is there with you right now. 
I want to say to you today, maybe you're visiting with us for the first time, or maybe you've been a part of this church. We're coming up on our 67th anniversary, I think it is. Maybe you've been here for a good part of those years, but you have never genuinely come to the place in your life where you have admitted in your own heart, I am a sinner. You say, what is what is sin that you've missed the mark, that you've come short of the glory of God, that you fail to keep God's commandments? And somewhere down the line. You have never come into that. You may have been in Sunday school. You may have been a good southern kind of baptistic person where you've been baptized in the water. You've signed a card. You've joined a church. You have been a part of this place longer than I've been alive, sonny boy. But you've never confessed in your heart that you are wicked as the devil and you stand in need of Jesus and the cross and His suffering and pain and death and resurrection for you. I want you to know today, God knows you. He knows every lie you tell. He knows all of your southern fakeisms. That's not even a word, English teachers. I know. Don't tell me when the service is over. I can't tell you how many people I know have baptistic smiles and they know all the right words and they carry the right book and they say the right things, but deep in their heart, they do not have an ongoing interactive relationship with Jesus Christ whereby they have been translated or turned from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And I want to say, you say, how do I know if I'm there? Let me just ask you this, and, and I don't want to make anybody mad, but in the last seven days, have you had an ongoing interaction with Jesus Christ in your life? In the last seven days, have you talked to Him, worshipped Him, loved Him, learned from Him, thanked Him for what He has done for you? Well, I'm not sure that I've done that. In the last 14 days, have you acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of your life and surrendered to Him and say, Lord, this day, what I say and where I go and how I treat people, I am under the tutelage of Jesus. He is the Lord and Master of my life. Have you had any conversation like that with Jesus in the last 14 days? Now listen, don't play games with God. God is not a man that He should be mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm not calling you on the carpet in front of anybody. I'm simply asking you to call yourself on the carpet of your own mind and heart right now. Don't fool yourself into hell. There's a lot of people that think they're believers. They never had a genuine conversion in their life whereby they have turned from themselves and turned to Jesus. Unless you leave here today and think, man, that's a tough kind of lesson. Where in the world did Brother Steve get that today? Jesus said these words. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in Your name? And I know you Baptistic people don't like the charismatic thing, but in your name done many wonderful works. Casting out devils and demons. And what does Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you. The greatest decision you will ever make in your life is to not leave this place today without having a knowledge in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life.
And for my brothers and sisters that are in here, I want you to think about both sides, both the negative and the positive of those first six verses. And it says again and again, search me. Are you saying that? Do you cry out in your own heart and life? Do you say, Lord, search me. See if there's anything in me that's not right. The very end of this, look, it's an inclusio. It's a, it's a bookend. Look at the end of verse number 23 of the same passage. He, he ends the way that he began. Search me, O God. Know my heart and try me and see if there's any anxious or bad or wrong thought in me. I want to encourage every believer in this room today from the negative standpoint, to say to God, search my heart and see if there is anything in my mind or heart that is not right. Whether before God or whether with another brother or sister. And can I say to you that if you're here today and you have ought or you have, that's my old King James coming out. If you have something in your heart against another brother or sister, the Bible would say that you need to drop everything in your life and go make it right with them. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not right with Jesus. On the positive side of those six verses, I want every believer that's struggling in here today, I want you to know, hey, you don't need to, don't leave here with suicidal thoughts. You know, gasp, but you don't think there's people in this room that are, that have already had those thoughts this morning? Now you see people who have good smiles on Sunday. I see people who have broken lives on Tuesday. Now you listen. God wants you to know that He searches your heart from that negative standpoint, but that God searches and knows the thoughts that are going through your mind right now. What's the application for those first six verses in my prayer life? Let me just write this down. Be honest. Just be honest with God in your prayer life. Just write that down and think about it this week. Oh my goodness, we lie to so many people. And you want to know the reason why we, hey, listen, we lie all the time? And the reason why you cannot be honest with other people is because you're not honest with God. And God is calling out to you and saying, if there's anybody in your life that you can be honest with right now, it is the God of heaven. Just be honest with Him. If you're in this room today and you're struggling with whether God really exists, how there can be suffering in the world and a good God, if you're here today and you say, how can God exist and my father have passed away at uh, age 60? If you're in here today and you say, I'm struggling with whether God can exist and this kind of pain and this go on, I want you to know that He's big enough and strong enough and wise enough and intelligent enough and knowing enough to handle even your cares and concerns. Just be honest with Him when you talk to Him. You know the reason why some of our teenagers and college students go off to college and they, they leave the faith is because we have moms and dads that haven't believed that the Word of God and 2,000 years worth of strong church history is strong enough to face the questions that they have. Don't shy away with it. Get help and learn that there are answers to the questions that you have. Don't ever tell... Uh, don't ever, Man, I grew up with a friend and he ended up being an atheist... 
Now, this is record. I'm just going to be careful here. I, I have a friend of mine. Ah, my heart aches. He grew up as the son of a pastor, and he's now an atheist. And the vast majority of the reason... Now, listen, he's responsible in his own soul for what he what decisions he makes. But the vast majority of the reason is because he was a smart young man. And when he was 15 and 16, he began to ask questions that his parents did not have the answers to. And rather than learning the answers, or rather than seeking help, they said, well, you just don't have enough faith. If you were right with God, if you had the right kind of faith, you wouldn't ask those questions. Shame on us to say that. If a child is asking a question from an honest and a sincere and a humble heart, give them answers. And if you don't know, brothers and sisters, you know, y'all hear me sometimes, hello McFly, right? Why do you think that God gives you the church. You cannot worship God on the riverbank as well as you can here. You cannot be a Christian and not love God's people. That's like saying you're a fish and you don't enjoy water. Okay? God gives you the church to challenge you, to help you, to teach you, to train you. And furthermore, let me just say, that's part of the reason why our children and our young people need to see us be faithful here so that we are saying to them, listen, the answers to life that you need are not found out there. They are found from God's holy word within the community of God's holy people so that then we can go out into the world and give those people answers that they need. Well, I'm kind of hyped up today. I'm sorry. Look at verse number uh, 7 down through verse number 12. Well, I'm not supposed to apologize for that. I, yes, that's right. Verse number 7 through 12. I'll, I'll get better as we go. Here's what, here, here's what I just dashed off to the side in my Bible. Verse 1 through 6, you know me. Verse 7 through verse number 12, you're with me. God is with us. If the first six verses speak of the omniscience of God, these next few verses speak of the omnipresence of God. And that again, that's just a big way to say that God's everywhere. Amen? God's in your house when nobody else is. God's in your room when nobody else is. God's in your mind where nobody else is. God's presence is with us. Let me just read these verses and you let it see if you pick up the same thing I did. Look what it says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Right? It's not like I had to work hard to get the point out of that passage. Look at what he says to explain it. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and somebody, what do you want to say here? Sheol or this is the underworld or death. Where If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there too. Look at verse number 9. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, If there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Look at verse number 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness as light are alike to you. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way I can illustrate that. Isn't there something supposed to happen tomorrow? Jimmy John's for lunch. What's going on tomorrow? 
something. I forget, it'll come to me after a while. There's something going on tomorrow, I'm not sure of. But I, I want you to understand that it doesn't matter any part of the next 24 or 48 hours. All of it is as daylight to God. Oh boy, First John. In Him is light. And there's no darkness at all. There's no definite article. If you were to read that, there's no definite article in front of that. God is light. It's not saying uh, that it's simply a part of Him. It's saying that the very essence of God is light. It's not as if He walks into a room and has to turn on the light and dispel the darkness. It's that the very nature and soul of God is light and righteousness. What does the Bible say about us? That we're lost in our sins and utter darkness. What did Jesus say? While you have the light, believe in the light. He's with us. Hey, here's a little point for your prayer life. Right, so if the first six verses I said, just be honest because God knows. I'd say in, in this passage... Why don't you try being present to God a little bit more? This passage teaches us that God is already here. Did you know that? God is present. In fact, I find that the problem is not that God is not around. The problem is that a lot of times I'm not around for God. Nah. Preacher, you stop preaching and start a meddling, right? <laughs> Yeah, God is always there. God is always available. God is ever ready to have communication with you and with me. But the problem isn't that. The problem is that I'm often not present to Him. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because y'all all leave me up here desolate on an island by myself. But is there any, any believer in here that sometimes you'll do your devotions in the morning and by the time you know 10 o'clock comes, it's like you haven't even thought of God in three hours? Yeah, no, you're not. come on now. You know you like that. You get to working and going. Here's the encouragement. Try tomorrow a few more times during the day. Set an alarm on your iPhone. Uh, for those of you that are, you know, don't use iPhones, I think there's like two of you in here. You know, find and see if you've got an alarm clock on there somewhere. Set a couple of alarms, maybe at 11, maybe at 1, maybe at 3, and set, just take one minute. Bathroom break. Go to the bathroom. And pause for a moment and say, you are God, you are King, and you're in control of my life. And I recognize that you're right here with me. And when I walk back in there and I sit down at that screen or in that cubicle, you're there. And you're going to teach me and train me and help me. Every communication I have, everything that I say, you're with me. Every time I start to share the gospel, I never do so by myself. I do so in the power of an almighty God. Look at verse number 13, down through verse number 18. And I would simply just dash off to the side, you give me life. Hey, these are great verses. You ought to think about memorizing some of these. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me or knit me, right? As Job would say, in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully, that is the word awesomely, right? Fearfully and wonderfully or joyfully made. Wonderful are your works 
and my soul knows it very well. My frame, right? Uh, they would often think of the bones as being the lasting part of a person. My very frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought. Where? In the depths of the earth. Now that's odd, isn't it? That's, that's odd. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But as you're reading, you ought to, you ought to think of questions. Why, why, in the, why in the earth? We're talking about the womb of the mother in this point, right? We're talking about birth, that we're skillfully and wonderfully knit together in the womb. We'll come back to that. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them that was lived. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I want you to understand that it is God who gives us our physical life, and it is God who gives us our spiritual life. Amen? I, uh, I won't take time today to uh, explain all of this, but don't ever read a psalm out of order or out of context. Psalm 138 is a covenantal psalm speaking about the promise that was made unto David that ultimately there would come one from the line of David who would rule and reign over all the world. And although we use these verses from 13 to 18 often and rightfully so on Right to Life Sunday or uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and it is speaking that God develops and works and moves in the womb and that God is the creator of life. It is found here in verse number 15. It is not only speaking about our birth that God forms us in the womb, but it is speaking about both the birth and the resurrection of the one who would come in the future, not only to give us physical life, but to give us spiritual life by His birth into the world and His resurrection from the depths of the earth. If you're in here today, I want you to understand that God does know and that God is with you, but that God is able to give you new life when you put your faith and confidence in the risen Son of God, Jesus Christ, who lived, who died, who went into the heart of the earth, and God was with Him all the way. And when He awoke, verse number 18, God was still with Him. Verse number 19 through 24. So, I would just simply say these verses could say something like this. God should consume us. If God knows us and God is present with us and God has given us life, then I would say certainly to every believer today, God should consume us. Look at the interesting tone of these verses. You might think something is out of place, but let me explain it to you. Look at verse number 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, shed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Who in the world speaks like that after a beautiful psalm about God's omniscience, 
God's omnipresence and God's omnipotence. Who says that? You should. The glory of God should produce inside of you a hatred of sin and a hatred of any idol and a hatred of anything that comes before the glory of God. Now, let me just throw a little wrench into the, uh, a little kink here in this. And you just think this week, how angry are you over sin in the world? And in a moment, I'll show you in your life. Are you angry with what happened in Charlottesville last week? Righteously? Are you angry when, when people have uh, uh, animosity and hatred and wickedness and, 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 and language pours forth and you know that brothers and sisters uh, of around the world are hating and, and annihilating each other? Do you get righteously angry when you see uh, the, the poor uh, abused and uh, overshadowed and marginalized? Do you get angry righteously in your heart when you see people who are not given a chance based upon the color of their skin or based upon their socioeconomic status or based upon their background or based upon what they can or cannot do for you? Do you look out into the world and say, this something is broken with our world and I hate it because it does not honor God? Or do we just let the news channel pass on by? We throw a couple of things up on our Facebook, but there's no real brokenness and hatred of sin and hatred of anything that would come into the way of the glory of God. Now, lest you walk away from here today looking always outward, look at the end of the psalm. After he says that, he says, search me. Hmm. Haven't y'all ever heard that song? Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I wonder if there's anybody in the room today that doesn't want God to know your heart. I want to encourage you right now. Lay your heart open to Him. Ask Him to search you and try you and to see what's going on in there and to fix it. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You know who is the everlasting way? Jesus Christ. Come to Him, lost or saved. The answer is, to every problem is Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? In just a moment, we'll stand and sing together a couple of verses of a song. Hey, if you're here today and you're visiting, this is kind of the way we do. Right where you are, quietly. Why don't you just talk with God? If you're here and you say, man, I don't know Jesus, but I, I do believe that He died for me. I do believe that He rose again. I want to give my life to Him right where you are. Just begin to speak to Him. You can do that silently. You can do that verbally. Right where you are, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Believe on Him. Trust Him. He'll become the Lord of your life. Many of our people here today, it would be a, it'd be a good thing for us to do business with the Lord. Surrender our hearts and say, Lord, search me. 
Just as we did last week, we'll, we'll stand together. You can do business right where you are, or we'll open up and sing. Feel free to come down and pray at these steps. And as a sign of action, giving your heart and life to the Lord, praying and asking for Him to help you in the areas that you need. Would you stand with us and let's sing together. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.